Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. This morning we're looking at John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. This is where the apostles are commissioned John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. It's the word of God for us this morning. So as we saw last week, Easter announces the resurrection of Jesus, but it also promises other resurrections as well. The gospel stories about Jesus after his resurrection from the dead reveal a few things about what it means for him to be alive again and his body to be glorified. Sometimes people recognize him immediately, sometimes they do not. He enters a room even when the door is locked. The wounds of crucifixion remain visible in his hands and feet and side. He hears, he speaks, he consumes food. And on one occasion, he even fixes breakfast for his disciples. The resurrection stories reveal to us a few things about how Jesus remains the same and how he is different as a result of having been executed and brought back to life. But it seems to me that these resurrection stories are more concerned with what happens to the disciples, how they remain the same, and how they are different as a result of encountering Jesus raised from the dead. And today's gospel reading is a case in point. 
The story begins on the evening of Easter Day. Fear has overcome the disciples. The blood has drained from their faces. Their leader has been put to death by the authorities and hastily buried. And they fear that they will be next. So they hide out in a locked room with the curtains drawn, listening carefully to every sound in the street below. They regard themselves as dead men. And what happens? A dead man who came back to life appears among them. A man they know well. This is the same Jesus whose crucifixion took place just two days before. They weren't much help to him then. One member of their group who is now gone for whatever reason, uh, or is now gone, turned traitor and arranged for his capture. All but the youngest fled when the going got rough. The senior one among them followed at a distance, but when questioned by a servant girl, denied he had ever heard of Jesus. These so-called disciples showed themselves to be washouts. Now Jesus is back. They have failed him, and it's time that they paid the price for their failure, right? His appearance in that locked room startles them to the bone. So what does he tell them? Peace be with you. He does not condemn them or rebuke them. Instead, he eases their fear. He heals their grief. Peace be with you, he says. He does not ignore the past, but graciously moves beyond it. The disciples are forgiven for their failure. The forgiveness sets their troubled hearts at rest. That is his gift of peace. This is no resting and relaxing peace, though. Rather, it is a peace that makes action possible. And so Jesus issues a command. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the disciples have re received, so they are to give to others. They are to spread the gift of peace to any who are trapped, as they once were, in failure, in grief, in fear. Christ, who forgives them, sent them out so that to others they can be the Christ who forgives. These clustered disciples remain in many ways the same, but in important ways they are different from what they were before. Once they were failures, now they have passed beyond the point where failure and success have meaning. Once they were overcome by fear, now they have encountered other realities that alone deserve their allegiance. But this story has a second part to it, you see. Thomas was absent from the group. We don't know why, but he was absent. He wasn't there when Jesus appeared to him. And later, his wide-eyed buddies tell him what happened. Neither their excited words nor their changed lives are enough to convince him that what they say is true. Thomas, what do we call him? Yeah, Doubting Thomas. He demands other proof, 
familiar evidence. The sight of Jesus' face alive again. The feel of his warm and wounded flesh. And it's for this reason that he has been called Doubting Thomas. Thomas doubts from the heart. The final scene occurs a week after Easter Day. In other words, today. Jesus appears again in that closed room, uninvited. But again, he says, peace be with you. Then he addresses Thomas directly. Jesus, again, does not rebuke him for his desertion during the long hours of the Passion, nor his absence the previous Sunday night. Instead, he helps resurrect Thomas. It is from his own particular narrow grave of uncertainty and insistence that Thomas rises. In some ways, he remains the same Thomas. Those acquainted with him still recognize his face. Yet the encounter with Jesus changes him. He goes from a heart full of doubt to a heart full of belief. The refusal to believe without tangible proof that came so easily to his lips seven days before gives way to a bold confession of faith. The salutation he blurts out, My Lord and my God. Throughout the Gospel, there appears no better statement of who Jesus is than these words from the one we would do well to call Thomas the Believer. Thomas moves from being dominated by doubt to being set free by faith. This is his resurrection. The disciples in that locked room leave behind a life of failure, guilt, and fear in order to enter a life where they experience the deep peace of forgiveness and share that peace with others. This is their resurrection. The New Testament tells us of still more who are raised up by the raising up of Jesus. People who remain themselves yet are somehow different. There are places in the story where Peter is prominent. He moves from being a coward during the time of the Passion to the one whose restoration represents the restoration of every disciple. Peter, who denied Jesus to a servant girl, appears as someone very different. To a turbulent crowd that could easily grab him and beat him, he does not hesitate to announce that Jesus lives despite their wickedness and that Jesus offers them forgiveness and hope. Peter is still Peter, energetic, emotional, passionate, yet he is different. This is his resurrection. Paul's another person raised up by the raising up of Christ. He is not simply lifted up from the dust of Damascus Road after being thrown by his horse. He is also lifted up from a persecutor's career to an apostle's ministry. The faith he once tried to destroy, he is given a commission to spread. The fire and hatred of inside him gives way to the living flame of love. Paul is still Paul. Intense, intellectual, zealous, 
yet he's different. This is his resurrection. We too are raised up by the raising up of Jesus. We remain our familiar selves, yet we become different. The worst part of ourselves hears the message of peace, the call to a new responsibility, and is restored to a true life. We rise up from our own particular narrow grave to join the company of those, Jesus, Thomas, Peter, and Paul, and the other disciples who now live on with Christ. Each of us needs to consider ourselves, to look inside and to answer some questions. How am I being raised up by the raising up of, Christ, of Jesus Christ? From what particular death am I being set free? What message of peace does the risen Jesus speak to me? What commission does he give me? What new life does he impart that leaves me who I am, yet different? Each of us will have our own answers to questions such as these. Give some time to these questions this week and give thanks that Jesus is not alone in his resurrection, but that we are raised with him from death to life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead. It is through his resurrection that we, too, can have eternal life with you. Help us this week to think, to see, and to feel the life that you are calling us to live. Let us give glory to his name. Amen.